Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you because the entrance of your word brings light. Thank you because it breaks yokes, it lifts burdens, it challenges us, it chastises us, Heavenly Father. Let it do that and more as we delve into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you want a title um, for, for what I'm about to share with you, I think the title, the, the, the missing ingredient would suffice. The missing ingredient would suffice. Um, I'm going to be talking about diligence because I've I've reflected and I feel that that's really the thing that is missing. Um, Quite a number of us, we know what God would have us do. We know what we should do in many areas in our lives. We are full of hope and aspiration. But then there's a, oftentimes there's a disconnect between all those things and the, the reality of the thing actually happening. And as I mulled about that, those, that kind of state of affairs, I, I came to the conclusion that one thing that is missing, um, let me speak for myself, one thing that I felt was missing in my life in so many areas was just diligence. Um, that steady and earnest and energetic effort that we put into something that yields results. That devoted and painstaking work and application to reach a goal that takes us to the goal. That constant and steady application in any endeavor that always yields results. And you know, um, by this time, of course, somebody's already saying, I failed there, I failed there. That's, that's, why, that's why I failed with regards to my exercise. That's why I failed with regards to Uh, my eating habits that's why I failed with regards to that relationship that's why this hasn't worked because there hasn't been any steady and earnest energetic effort applied there hasn't been any devoted and painstaking work and application Uh, there hasn't been any any, it has certainly not been constant and steady on the contrary it has been sporadic Um, it has been ad hoc And as a result, we haven't arrived at the goals. When you look at the synonyms for that word, uh, diligence, it it drives home the point. When you think of things like industrious, uh, the question you you just ask yourself, have I truly been industrious in this area? When you think about things like hardworking, have I really done that in this area? Assiduous, can I say I have been? Conscientious, does that apply? Particular, persistent. And then if, you don't, if we don't get the picture, the, just a look at the opposites always help you understand where you've been or where I've been, um, where, where we've been lazy with regards to something, where we've been careless or idle or ignorant, uh, just ignorant. We just haven't acquired the knowledge that we should have to help us in a, in a particular area, disinterested, casual, indifferent, or lethargic. And in, it, with, for us as Christians, uh, if I wanted to put it in, 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 in Bible terms, what, what is diligence? I would say that in, in Bible terms, diligence is the effort to do one's part while keeping faith and reliance in God. So some motivational speaker would take the God part out of it and would tell you just work hard at it, just give yourself to it. But that's just one part of the picture. The full picture for us as Christians is that we have faith that God is involved. We have, we, 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 we have faith that God will. We rely on God. We know that it is God. We understand grace. But then we don't get into this irresponsible state that some do and, and term Christianity. And it's nothing, it's nothing it, it, it is not Christianity where we are lazy, we are lethargic. You know, we're hoping that there'll be a transference of wealth from the wicked. We're hoping that somehow God will take the money of a hard-working wicked man and give it to a lazy Christian. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. 
So we understand that, yes, there's, we, there's grace. Yes, we're people of faith. We're relying on God. But we understand that God, the way God works is do your part. I think one of the greatest pictures of grace must surely be uh, Solomon. You know, because, yeah, he just, he had this thing given to him on a platter. It would seem. But then who wrote more to us about diligence than any other one in the Bible? Solomon as well. Because he understood that there's the part God does, but there's surely the part that we must do. In Proverbs, the 12th chapter and the 27th verse, the Bible calls diligence man's precious possession. This New King James Version. It says, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. The people who make the mark, the people who fulfill God's plans and purposes, the people who are game changers, the people who pioneer, the people who break through boundaries, the people who live a fulfilled life, if there's one ingredient that you find in their makeup and their lives is diligence, what the Bible calls man's precious possession. It's a game changer. And I'm, I, as I speak, I'm also challenging myself because there are areas of my life where I have not been diligent or as diligent as I should be. And the results speak for themselves. It's a game changer. So let me share with you from the Bible seven areas where God says we must be diligent. Number one is in seeking God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know what I love about that scripture? It ties together for us as Christians faith and diligence. Yes, of course, we come by faith. And by faith, we come believing that he is. He is who he says he is. He is who the word says he is. He will do what he says he will do. But if we don't apply diligence, if that ingredient is missing, then we don't get the fullness of what God has for us. He says he rewards those. Who does God reward? Who's going to get the reward? Who's going to get? And the reward is, is, is a lot of times is more of God and then also what God has promised personally. Who gets that reward? It is the person who diligently seeks him. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how diligent is my pursuit of God? How earnest is it? How devoted is it? How steady, consistent, persistent is my pursuit of God? Or, or is my pursuit of God, if I'm truthful, sporadic? You know, I'm, I'm great on Monday. The heavens know that a child is here in pursuit of God on Monday. I did two hours in prayer, one hour Bible study. But the next time I, I heard about God was in church on Sunday when, when PAI was preaching about diligence. Is that the kind of life that we live? That does not constitute the kind of life that gets the reward for the pursuit of God. It's the person who is diligent, consistent, persistent. That's why when the Bible talks, uh, encourages us in our relationship with God, it doesn't commend us to God because we give him a part of our heart, a part of our strength, a part of... The Bible talks about all. That we, 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 we love him with all our heart, all our strength, all our minds. We, we, are, we, are, we are persistent. We are giving it our all. And the person who does that is the person who gets the reward. There's no other way. Christianity is not a lazy man's way of life. It's not. All this stuff that is going around, that you do nothing and things come to you. That, I mean, how many, how many, how many conferences have, have you been to where they said there's a transference of wealth? I've even watched people at conferences call the wealth. Really? Just like that? It doesn't work like that. Go and get a business plan. Go and work harder in your office. Go and pray a bit more. Go and understand the scriptures a bit more. That there's something that needs to be added for it to happen. 
And that's a a diligence in seeking God. The second thing where the Bible commends us to diligence is to present ourselves approved to God. Somebody says, really? Yes. We, We have to. There's a standard that God demands. Grace does not erase the standard. And this is Paul Paul writing to his protege and preparing him for ministry. He says in 2 Timothy, the the, the second chapter and the 15th verse, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means that if we are not diligent, then we are going to end up being ashamed. He says, Timothy, present yourself approved to God. How do I do that, sir? He says, you've got to be a worker who rightly divides the word of truth. The Amplified Classic would put it this way. Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of of truth. Christianity is not, I attended church on Sunday and I had a good sermon. Christianity is, we are applying ourselves. The, The Berean Christians would listen to a sermon and would go home, get out their Bibles, and they would, they would dig deeper. So why are people, why are there a lot of charlatans now that masquerade as Christians destroying people's lives? It's because the people that they are cunning, manipulating, don't have the word in them. So there's no defense. They can't discern that what this man is saying is manipulation. And so they get manipulated. But he says to, he says to his protege, he says, study. Be diligent in your, in your application to your study. And the irony is that most of us know what study is like. Because most of us have a degree, a diploma, some qualification. And we know how we studied for it. But how many of us can say, I have studied to make myself approved more than I did for my, my first degree. More than I did for my master's. More than I've done for my PhD. More than I did for the diploma. We know what studying is. We stayed up late at night. We popped all kinds of pills to keep us going. Pro plus and all those things. We tried to somehow squeeze one more hour out of life so that somehow we would have 25 instead of 24. Just so that there could be an extra hour of study. And we think that just glancing at a scripture once every two or three weeks suffices as study. We read all the books that we were told to read. So we study. We present ourselves approved to God by our diligence, our application. And it's not just application, of course, to the study. It's application to the spiritual disciplines. How diligent have I been in my prayer life? How diligent am I in, in, in the life to worshiping God? How diligent am I in my general Christian life? Number three, in our business, our work, our career. In the King James Version of this scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 29, the Bible says, Seest thou a man diligent? It's one of, the, one of, one of the, my early scriptures as, an, as a young Christian. Uh, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. It's a promise of God. If you're diligent in what you do, it's going to take you places. Period. One translation says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings and he will not stand before unknown men. Uh, The the, the message puts it this way. Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. So, So 
if if you're not diligent in it, then yeah, don't we, we don't we don't don't make us pray for magic. Be diligent. Then let let our let the prayers of the saints, let the grace of God now do what it has to do. But be diligent. It would be unlike God to want to promote somebody who is not diligent. That would be asking God not to be Himself. And that's the kind of magic that we expect in a lot, of, a lot of the body of Christ. That just because we're a child of God, we must get it. No. It's the diligent child of God that has a right to say, this, this is my portion. But there must be that application. You know, increasingly the world is becoming a specialist world. So the jack of all trades is genuinely a master of none and nobody wants that person. So increasingly the world is looking for people who have solutions. There are too many problems in the world. Specialize in something, the world will come to you. Just specialize in something, anything. Haven't you noticed that is anything now? Anything, specialize, anything. Just be the recognized expert. And the world will come to you. They, they, they... You know, careers now, every single day new careers are being developed. Every day. Once you decide you're a specialist in this area, people are going to come to you. And the reason... And can you imagine that? This Apple wristwatches. You know, I told my wife. I told her. I, I, I don't, when, when I want to have conversations that I don't want anybody to hear, I actually take off this wristwatch. Yeah. You know, there are meetings I'm going to and I put the wristwatch in the car and going to. Because I told my wife, I said, one day, 30 years from now, Apple is going to apologize that we're sorry. We didn't explain fully that all the conversations you had are in somewhere in the cloud. And some hacker has broken into the cloud. And the next week, where there's a danger, somebody's heart is beating so fast now. Because <laughs> they are thinking, really? <laughs> yeah, but that's what's, what's, what's going to happen. One day I was praying in tongues. And um, uh, these this things are crazy. I was 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, I've never even told the lady, and she's probably here, Joan. I was praying in tongues. Rebo, shandaraba, sheke, keriete, keriata, kakishte, rebo, zabasata. The phone says it, it had called Joan. That I said it should call Joan. And it now dialed Joan. I mean, she's in church, so she might have wondered, why is P.I. calling me at 4 a.m.? I was praying. The thing said it interpreted my tongues to mean call Joan. <laughs> when we are struggling to get the gift of interpretation, Apple is telling us that I have the gift of interpretation of your tongues. Specialize, be an expert in an area, not jack of all trades. Master something. Apply yourself so that you are skillful in an area. We will all come to you. There's so much that the, the world is full of trouble. People need solutions. Just pick an area and master it. Be diligent. Acquire the knowledge. And we will come to you. Because we are desperate for solutions. And when they start to get rid of people in the office, who, who are the last people to go? The people that they feel that they need. Usually the people who are generalists are the first to go. So be that. Be that person who has been diligent in their business. And you can stretch that. It's not just your career or your business. It's at school. Be diligent. It's whatever you make your business. If your business is good health, be diligent. Wake up. Go to the gym. If you don't like the gym, walk on the road. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. No, your tax allows you to walk on the pavement. But just be diligent. Be diligent in eating right. I know the donut is appealing. I know like Potiphar's wife to Joseph, it is saying to you, lie with me. But can you just for the sake of diligence, just say no to that donut? 
Say no to the sugar. Be diligent. And I'm speaking to myself, by the way. But let's just, just apply yourself in whatever you've chosen to be your business. Be diligent, constant, steady application. And you know, the thing with diligence is that we are used to, we are, we are a world that is used to quick fixes. Quick. I mean, somebody, somebody says, I, I, really need to, I really need to get healthy. I say, how, how, how is it going? I say, I haven't seen any changes. How long have you been? I've been three times. Three times. You want the thing to... That's magic. You need to go to the depths of somewhere in Africa for some juju man to do something. That's magic. It doesn't work like that. Two months, three months before you see anything. Somewhere around a month and a half, you start to feel changes. But just be diligent. Diligence is constant and steady application. Diligence is often not celebrated. It's the outcome of diligence that is celebrated. Diligence is done a lot of time in obscurity. But it's the outcome of that application that is celebrated. When you see a good marriage, it is two diligent people. Good marriages don't just fall from heaven. Two diligent people. Two people who have applied themselves. You zip your mouth when you want to say. You humble yourself. You stretch yourself. And somewhere along the line, it bears fruit. When you see children you admire, it's the diligent, diligent parent and, and parents who have applied themselves constantly and steadily. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. amen. Did, 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 did this make sense so far? Are you, are you challenged? Are you suitably chastised? Who's, who's, who truthfully is, you know, I, I mean, I can't see the hub, but Joseph and Ken, they can, and I can't see online, but who here is already chastised? Yeah? Who here is saying, uh, I need to make some changes? Let's see your hands. Yeah? Who here is saying, even if you stop the sermon now, it's okay. I need to go and do some work. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Now, as we go on with our message, um, just a bit of... Uh, just to check you guys were with me. What was the first, the first thing? Okay. Um, in the hub, you, you, you want to say it loud in the hub, Joseph and Kende will be the invigilators. Online, the hosts will be the invigilators. The second thing? The third thing? You know, when people say, when people mutter, then they are not sure. What was the third, th third thing? Okay. All right. Number four. Where, where does God encourage us to diligence? Number four. With regards to our heart. It is in Proverbs 4 verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issue of life. Yeah. This was God. What he was saying is really profound. He was saying this whole thing about life. The, the, the most important way of securing it is to guard your heart with all diligence. If your heart is wrong, if we allow the enemy to sow seeds into our hearts, those seeds become poisonous. And once we're poisoned inside, life is poisoned. So one translation says, the Passion Translation says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart. Don't let anything that is wrong get in there. Unforgiveness starts in the heart. Murder starts in the heart. Slander starts in the heart. And once we allow, and the enemy is constantly trying to shoot arrows at the heart. Constantly trying to use circumstances to sow something negative into the heart. And so God says to us, guard it. Be aware of that. Prevent it from getting in there. Because once it gets in there, it colors life. That translation says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. The state of my heart affects all that I am. 
And so I have to diligently, steadily, persistently, constantly be aware that I have to guard my heart. I have to protect my heart. I have to prevent certain things from getting into my heart. That's why some companies are not good. Because in that company, my heart is exposed. I, you don't watch some things. You don't go to some places. And it's not a question of whether it's okay or it's not okay. We've passed that. It might be okay to you, but I, I, I know it's not okay to me. So I'm not going in there. If I've struggled with pornography and I've finally got a breakthrough out of pornography, there are some music videos I can't watch. Now you might think it's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But where I'm coming from, just that lady gyrating in her, in her shorts is a problem for me where I'm coming from. So I understand that I must guard my heart. I understand that my heart is tender because of what I went through. So I mustn't expose myself to certain people. Because those people, whether they know it or not, are instruments being used to put stuff in my heart that will eventually poison it. He says, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Pay attention to it. Always be, always be aware of what the state of your heart is. Always know where you are with regards to your heart. Pay attention to the well-being of your inner man, your inner person, because that affects everything. Number five, diligence with regards to the Christian life. <laughs> 2 Peter, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 10. This is Peter's encouragement. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So Peter's encouragement, brethren, that's you and I. Be diligent, more diligent, he says. He's calling them to a greater place of diligence to make your call and your election sure. The encouragement is be diligent so that you can settle this matter of your salvation, settle this matter of your call, settle this matter of your election. But to do that, you need to be diligent. Let no one kid you that Christianity is a walk in the park. It's not a walk in the park. That's why the graphic picture that Jesus puts before us, this road is broad and there are many. But this one is narrow and there are few. It's not easy to live uh, as a Christian in the 20, 21st century London. No, it's just not easy. It's not easy to live by the book. It's not easy in a natural sense, but of course we receive grace that allows it to be. But then we must put our effort to that grace. There must be a, a cooperation with the grace. And when you think of, of, the, of uh, the younger generation, it, it's just not easy. When, when your child goes to uni, the pressures at uni are unbearable. What uni is now, compared to when we went... My God, we had it easy. Not that we were even on the right side when we went. So we had it easy even in the, in the wrong side we were on. But your children now as Christians, they go to uni, there's pressure. Your child is growing up and is in their early teens, there's pressure. The school is putting them under pressure. Their teachers are putting them under pressure. Their teachers want them to compromise their faith in a lot of instances. There's just, there's, there's the pressure of the clash of cultures. And it's who will stand strong in their own culture. So Paul says, be diligent. Don't think it's just going to happen. Apply yourself. Be steady. Be persistent. And then he goes on to say, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, as soon as I read that, I thought, what are these things? That we need to do. How many, how many want to know what these things we need to do? Okay. So if you back up a bit. To verse 5. He says this. These are the things. 
But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. All diligence. So it says give it your all. Apply yourself. Be earnest. Don't just do it with, in, with half measures. He says, add to your faith. So it's not just a question of, uh, I'm a man of faith. I'm a, I'm, 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 you will just fall like a pack of cards. He says, add to your faith. So yes, I believe. Yes, I know it's about God. Yes, I'm holding on. Yes, I believe in grace. Yes, I believe these promises. But he says, add to your faith, add to your faith, virtue. So we must try to live right. We must try. We cannot just accept anything and everything. If we do, we become the proverbial frog that kept adjusting its temperature in the water. They kept heating up the water. The frog kept thinking, I can survive. I can survive. And would adjust. Because the frog had the ability to adjust. But then the frog didn't realize that even in frog world, I get to a certain point where I'm going to cook. And a frog that had the ability, the frog had the ability to leap out of the water. That's what frogs do. They, they leap. But this frog kept thinking it can cope. It can cope. And by the time it realized that it couldn't cope, it, it, it was dead. And that's how a lot of us are. We just keep thinking we can adjust to the world's standards. We can adjust a bit more, a bit more. It's okay. It's, it's not harmful. But we don't realize that what is happening is that the temperature is being turned higher and higher. It says to virtue add knowledge. And it's not knowledge that starts with knowledge of IT or knowledge of AI. It's knowledge that has as its foundation knowledge of God. So add knowledge. Daily increase in our knowledge of God. And that comes from daily studying the Bible. Daily asking the Holy Spirit to reveal more and more of God. To knowledge adds self-control. You know, they took a, a, guy kept, a guy kept going to the leaders in the church to say, you know what, I have a problem. The devil is just a liar. Every time I hear Doc preach in church, I decide that I'm going to do it right. But this matter with women, and it's not just women even in church, is those prostitute houses. The enemy waits for me after church and he takes me there. I, I can't help it. Can you pray with me to bind the enemy? The church that passed, the pastors, they had wisdom. They took him to a red light district. And they stood on the other side of the road. And he was wondering, what's going on? They say, we're waiting for the devil to take you in there. <laughs> Since you say the devil is always carrying you, let him come and carry you in there. There's an element of the, the man hadn't dealt with his heart. And you know, the way the Bible puts it is very interesting. The Bible says the sin in our heart copulates. The, the, the desire in our heart, pardon me, copulates with the circumstances outside and gives birth to sin. So there's an element of desire. That guy should just be truthful to himself. I haven't dealt with it. So after, after an hour or two, they said, the devil hasn't come. You know the truth? There are some things that Satan will say, uh, uh, it was not me now. Why do they, they blame me for everything? <laughs> everything they say is me. So there's an element of self-control. Of course there's grace upon it. But you do your part so that grace can collide with the little that you bring and bring about a result. It says to self-control, perseverance. And especially if I was talking to a younger generation, the perseverance does not exist in the, in the generation. Say, why are you breaking up your marriage? Because, because he, she keeps giving me cold porridge every morning. I've warned her I don't eat cold porridge. The, the reasons people want to walk out of marriage now are unbelievable. I say, what happened to for better, for worse? In richer and poorer. And sick? What happened to those commitments? 
What happened to believing that there's nothing that God cannot change? Of course, there are circumstances where I would cancel that people are separated from each other. If your spouse is beating you, we don't want to bury anybody. You better get out of there. Whilst we are trying to see if the person is even a candidate for deliverance. Because sometimes if they had in their heart, then there's nothing anybody can do. But not because you had a thief. How can you believe God to, to, to bring revival to the UK and God cannot change your husband? If God could change Paul, Saul to Paul, at least your husband hasn't killed a few Christians, I hope. <laughs> or your wife hasn't, as the case may be. Perseverance, that doggedness, is, 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 it's, a, it's, it's, it's part of our spirit as, as kingdom citizens. That pressing on, that refusing to give in. And it says, to perseverance, add godliness. That, 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 that thing that makes people think this is God. And then to godliness, brotherly kindness. You know, some of the most wicked people I have met, not in Jesus' house, but within the body of Christ, I've met some wicked people. Wicked. They pray, they fast, they quote scripture by the second, but there's no kindness in them. They are judgmental. No kindness. Says add to godliness, brotherly kindness. Think about, think about each other. Care for each other. Be considerate to, towards each other. Be sensitive with what we say towards each other. And to brotherly kindness, finally love. So diligence in the Christian life. Number six, as we come towards the end. Diligence in seeking good for others. Everybody wants favor, favor, favor. How many want favor? How many want favor in, in here? At least I can see you. How many at the hub want favor? Put your hands up at the hub. How many want favor? Everybody wants favor. How do I get favor? Proverbs 11 verse 27. This is the King James Version. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief it shall come unto him. So let's leave those that it shall come unto. He that diligently seeketh good brings favor upon you. Listen to one translation, the Passion Translation. Live your life seeking what is good for others. Untold favor, untold favor will come your way. Live your life seeking what is good for others. It brings untold favor your way. And you know, I've seen this happen so, so many times. I've admired people who just are constantly thinking about others. I've admired the fulfillment they have. Do you know there's a, there's a certain fulfillment that is indescribable unless you experience it where you have done good for someone? Has, has, any, has anyone here experienced it before? You, you just feel, you almost feel like this is what I was designed to do. Just, just do good. Just be a blessing to people. Just look for any opportunity to be used by God to touch a person's life, change a person's life. You know, we buried, buried as you all know, we buried our father um, a few weeks ago. And it was a marathon, 10 event, four different locations, three cities and a village event, marathon. And there were many high points, many, many high points. When people gave their lives to Christ, it was a high point. But the high point uh, for most of us was an outreach we had for the widows. So my, where my ancestral home is, it's in a very poor part of Nigeria. Very poor, very poor. Most of the countryside in Nigeria is, is very poor. 
And so we had a, a monetary gift, significant monetary gift. And then we had all kinds of foodstuffs and stuff for, for the widows, every single widow in the village. And they started, we said we'd start at 10 o'clock, but by 8 o'clock, the place was full. They had arrived, old women, some of them. Our house is on a hill, and it wasn't even at the house on the hill. There was another house that was not even a few, one quarter of the way up or whatever it was. And to see these old ladies on sticks, we had to send people to help them to come and sit down. Old ladies, quite a few of them. And when they came up and we got our children to give out the gifts because we wanted our children to understand that this is what life is about. You know, you serve others. You, 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 you're blessed to be a blessing. This is the practical example. So our children were giving out the gifts to the widows. And just to see the joy on those women's faces. It's the kind of money that they could never have imagined was coming, would get into their hands in one go. And all these gifts in a, in a, at a place where foodstuffs cost a fortune. And all this was for them. Just to see the joy on their faces. I was walking on air. I just felt like, God, this is what this life is about. And then the icing on the cake was when they would come receive this gift, open it, and they would just shout, Jesus! I just stood there and I was thinking, wow. We had a, a service to go to. I kept them waiting at the service. We, we, all of us, we, we, we were late for the service because we were just watching this thing and thinking, this is incredible. And then the orphans in the village, we'd, brought, we'd bought new trainers for the orphans, just a token. And so we, we got all the orphans to come, same time they sat down. And then I took them into an, an inner room and we measured their feet and gave them brand new trainers. I could tell you so many stories. There's a three-year-old girl who's, who's, I put my, my finger and she held my finger. When she wore those pink trainers, the look on her face was priceless. One of the boys came in with some rubber slippers that were torn. We put the trainers on him. His, his eyes, as he looked at those things, when we turned away to put trainers on somebody else, he took the trainers off, put it on his head, and wore the slippers because he could not imagine that he was going to have to walk on those shoes. It was priceless. Priceless. And of course, we, there's a bit more because we, 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 we plan to, you know, God helped us. We set up a tech hub in this poor place. They've never seen a computer before. The first set of, of students in the tech hub, and this is Shola's baby, the tech hub, are these orphans. There were 41 of them. They are the first, they're going to be the first people in that village who are children to come to grips with a computer. It was priceless. There's just something about doing good. And you don't have to go all the way to Africa. Look around you. There's a family you can be a blessing to. I mean, some of those shoes you've been buying, they are not really yours in God's economy. It's impossible except you become a multi-legged monster to wear all those shoes. You can't wear them. And you know, the beauty is you give somebody something that it's okay to give somebody the castaways, but give somebody something that you would use yourself. So look around the church. Notice the girl who's just surviving, but she comes to Jesus' house. Notice she has your exact shoe size. And why not become the person who just blesses that person? We're coming up to Christmas. It's a lonely period for some families. It's a tough time for some families. 
So why not look around, adopt a family? And if you don't know, why not ask in the church? At the leadership level, the structure of the church, uh, member services, they know those who are struggling. They are helping constantly. Why don't you adopt one family this Christmas? When we do the Christmas lunch on Jesus, that's part of it. We're saying that you can afford to eat 10 turkeys if you want. If you eat 10 turkeys, then prepare to go and visit a doctor. But you know, you can do whatever you like. But why don't you buy a turkey with Christmas lunch on Jesus for a family that will never buy a turkey? They can't afford it. Why not say, I'm going to take up one hamper, two hampers, ten hampers, so that ten families will have Christmas lunch because of us? Do good. And as Paul encourages, let us not grow weary, weary, he says in Galatians 6 verse 9, of doing good. For in due season, in due season, we we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Number seven, and we're done. The last place we're encouraged to diligence. With regards to our plans. Now what's the bane of most of us? We have good ideas, we rush in, the ideas are half-baked and they collapse. What does the Bible say? It says that no one builds a tower without first counting the cost, lest he builds halfway, abandons it, and becomes an object of ridicule. So why are there so many abandoned projects in our lives? You know, you wanted to, I mean, I remember when I wanted to play the saxophone, all my motives were wrong. All the motives were wrong. God must have just been having a laugh. Why did I want to play the saxophone? Because I just had this vision that one day I was going to surprise all of you in Jesus' house. I was the pastor of the church then. So even pastors are not immune. You can laugh at me. Better laugh at yourself. So I just, I just, and the thing possessed me that I was going to surprise everybody in Jesus' house. I, I, I did it secretly. I bought the saxophone. I got a trainer. And I started practicing that one day I'm just going to get on the stage. And before I preach the sermon, I'm going to grab the sax. And I'm just going to blow. And you know, as I saw the vision, I was actually wearing dark glasses. That's why I should have known that it wasn't of the Lord. It was not God at all. It was my flesh. So I started, I started trying. But after a while, I kept thinking, this is not happening quick enough. I'm still blowing. Boom, boom, boom. So eventually I abandoned it. That was a project that was half-baked. I didn't spend time with the plan, in the plan with God. I didn't find out. I didn't think it through. I didn't realize what it takes to play a musical instrument. I didn't realize any of that. There were no plans. I just bought the saxophone because I could afford it. Got one of the young boys in church who was a sax player to become my teacher. He was so frustrated with me. The only, the, the only reason he did not, it wasn't abusive, it was because I was his pastor. Because there were times he wanted to knock my head with this, with this saxophone. no plan but you're laughing at me but that's how a lot of our things are no plans whatsoever so what does the bible say it says the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty the people who are diligent who think about it who are who get who do the research who get the information who who put it into you know that's why you 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 watch something on youtube some guy has a a six-pack and then you suddenly decide you're going to have the six-pack. The guy is doing some crazy exercises, twisting his body, lifting his legs. You go and try it. Then in church, we see you walking. <laughs> and the reason is because you haven't exercised for 40 years. What are you doing trying that? You just need to even walk for 10 minutes every day first. Have a plan. I say to people who are getting married, marriage counseling is a necessity. You don't, you, don't, you don't just like a car and get into the car and drive it. You're going to have an accident. You don't just like her because her body looks like a Coke bottle and you marry her. You're going to have an accident. The Coke bottle might not have Coke in it. When you drink it, it might be something that is distasteful. Plan. Whatever it is, plan diligently. Can someone say amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Give God a clap of him. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you also for the grace to be diligent. With all heads bowed in person here, 
and at the hub in person and online. If there's anyone who hasn't taken the first step to receive grace, because there's no diligence without grace. And grace is personified in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't have Jesus in your life with all heads bowed. You want to, ha- you want to welcome him into your life. You want to join God's family. If you would slip your hands up wherever you are. Anybody saying please, in person, saying please pray for me. I want to settle this once and for all. This is the start of my journey. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Anybody saying please pray for me. Father, we thank you. In person, I see that hand. Keep it up, my brother. See that hand. Anybody else, pray for me. Slip the hand up and just keep it up. One of our ministers is going to come to you. I see a hand at the back as well. Keep it up, keep it up. I need, I need some, some ministers to do that for me. Just keep the hand up, please. Keep the hand up. And some of our ministers are coming to you where you are. Hallelujah. Anybody at the hub, slip your hand up. Um, Joseph and Kende will arrange that. Keep it, keep it high, keep it high. Keep it high. Keep it high. Hallelujah. If you're online, you type it into the chat. I want to settle this. I want to receive that grace that is... The personification of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. And so why don't you just receive him into your heart? Someone says, how do I do that? Just invite him in. And in your own words, make a commitment to him. A commitment to following him. To live in that Christian life. And ask for his help to do so. Make a commitment to his family. And he already has made a prayer commitment to receive you into his family. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Go on, let's pray now for grace, for diligence. Go on. Go on. Can you, can you do something that is a bit, might be a bit African? Put your hand on your head. You know, in, in Africa, when they're in trouble, they say, yay. <laughs> but it's not one of those yay moments. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Father, we just, uh, this is symbolic. Um, wherever we are, at home, at the hub here, we're just, just symbolic. We, we realize we want to do it, Lord. We want to please you. We want to be approved. We want to seek you. We want to be diligent in our business. We, we just want to do all these things, Heavenly Father. And so we are asking for your spirit to help us. Help us, O oh God. Help us to find that level of fulfillment. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and glory. Help us, O oh God, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Amen.